want you to envision as you were singing. I want you to get a picture of this and let me paint a picture for you. And I want you to see it. While we were singing and worshiping, what I was seeing was the words were coming out of our mouth and it was being lifted up like vapor into heaven. And as it was lifted up as vapor and it rose up into heaven, it swirled around the throne of God. And then God took those vapors and they were being collected in this big golden bowl. And he was pouring it back out as golden oil. And it was washing down over us, but it was being collected in this bowl and as it came into this bowl into God's hands it was multiplied in such an abundant measure that when it was being poured out as God was pouring this bowl back out it was just drenching over people and it was bringing joy and as that oil was drenching down I want you to if you've got your eyes closed or if you can just picture it This golden oil being poured out from heaven. And I want you to feel this warm oil pouring over the top of your head. And just washing, just dripping down over your ears, over your shoulders. It's dripping over your eyes. It's washing down over your chest. And it's just running down your whole body, down, dripping off your fingertips. I want you just to see that oil dripping off your fingers and falling to the earth, washing down over your legs, this warm, oh, it feels so good. It's it's like the sun, when the sun hits your skin and it's just that warm, tingling, refreshing ah, kind of feeling. And I want you to feel that oil going over not only your skin, but your internal parts. Because God said that he formed our inward parts. And so I want you to now envision this oil washing over your brain. And as it does, we declare health and wellness and total restoration to every part of the brain. All chemical production in perfect balance. Washing over the eyes, all issues of eyesight, degenerative eyes. We wash the oil just receive that warm oil over your eyes right now um taste buds uh people who have had their taste affected over the ears over the eardrums over hearing perfect and complete hearing that we are not a people that just because we are maturing in our time here on earth that our ears or our eyes grow dim in the name of jesus Thank you, Father, for it washing over the neck, issues of the neck, uh, car accidents and whiplash right now in Jesus' name. Receive, just feel that warm oil washing over the parts of the spine and the vertebrae, um, those little cushiony things between the vertebrae. Um, the parts that stick off the edge, the thingies that stick out of the spine, those thingies, the oil over those thingies, um, over the heart right now, 
If you feel so inclined, and if you would, I invite you to put your hand over your heart. Father, we are people who have a heart that has been renewed, and you have put a new heart on the inside of us, both physically and emotionally. I declare right now in the name of Jesus that heart disease has no place in your children, and I declare that heart attacks, all issues of the heart, effects of stress on the heart over the last year, I declare over the heart right now perfect healing and wellness receive the golden oil over your heart right now thank you father the lungs perfect and beautiful lungs golden oil washing over the outside and the inside and i speak to the person right now who uh is dealing with issues of the lungs because you are a smoker and you think well i smoked and so i deserve to have bad lungs no You have the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus heals everything. doesn't matter what your past is. So right now I speak wellness and restoration over all lungs, especially lungs of smokers. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Um, The liver and the kidneys, golden oil over the liver and the kidneys, perfect production. um, And the things that are supposed to be produced by those. I'm not a medical person. (laughs) obviously. So, um, the pelvis, Mm. I speak right now specifically to all of God's daughters and I declare health and wellness over reproductive organs. I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that you were perfectly and wonderfully made and there is nothing wrong with you. You are whole, you are well, and you are a daughter of the Most High God. Created to birth miracles. I'm just going to say this just came into me, so here we go. I speak health over the prostate. Just receive that. knees we speak health over knees is there somebody here or watching online your left foot was injured there's an injury in your left foot in the bones because something was dropped on it or some type of an accident is that somebody if that's you right here Okay, before service, I felt like it was going to be over here. So right now, God is healing your foot. Whatever that injury was, I speak to your bones right now in Jesus' name. And God is healing your foot. But as I was praying about it, what more than healing your foot is God so sees you. And he's so aware of you. And I wanted to uh, let you know that God is, was talking to me about you before service. And what he wants you to know is that your feet are symbolic to him. And you've been on a journey in your life. And this journey that you've been on in your life, there's been some areas of pain that you've walked through. But God wants you to know that those areas of pain, he's going to use those things to bring a beautiful, glorious thing in your life. He's aware of your footsteps and he knows where he's taking you. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And he wants you to know that he sees you as his righteous. And don't worry about what's coming next. Like, how is this going to work? How is this all going to pan out? God is saying just one step at a time. Just trust me, 
one step at a time. And he's got it all planned out for you. And you're going to get to a certain spot and you're going to look back and you're going to say, I would have never been able to do that on my own. God, you are good. Does that bear witness with you? Receive your healing, your physical healing. And Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Thank you, God. Well, if you would, turn around and tell somebody you've got oil all over you. All over you. good day to be at church y'all thanks Royce I think so we might have to let's see put it up to the front yeah and let's hey babe can you help me I can't remember who used this last (laughs) there that's good okay wait what there it is thank you thank you very much all right God's, God is so fun. Isn't God fun? Okay. Um, for those of you who haven't been here when I'm preaching before, I like audience participation. And if I don't think you are, t- if you're not talking back to me, I think I'm not saying it right. And they're not understanding. So I keep repeating it and you won't get out of here in time to beat all the other church people to the buffet. So just give me some feedback and we'll just breeze right through here. So isn't God fun? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to welcome our online audience, our Facebook and uh, website, however you are tuning in. Can you guys just give them a welcome? Just let them know that we're glad that they're joining us. We're glad you're here today. Uh, for if I don't get back around to this, I want to make mention of it before we get too far, is last night at sundown began Passover. And it is a wonderful, deep, deep, rich uh, celebration with, can I give this to you, babe? It's my lip gloss. You can use some if you need it. Okay. Um, (laughs) It is a super rich uh, celebration. You can read lots about it, but uh, it is, I'm not going to go into it today. I just wanted you to be aware of the time that we're in. We are in a supernatural miracle time right now. Uh, And so those things that you've been pressing for, continue pressing and really come to God with a deep expectation right now, because these are days that are heavily, heavily marked by him and really, really important to him. So my name is Lynette. If I've not had the opportunity to personally shake your hand, it's good to have you here. Uh, When we started the church back in May of 2000, our desire was that everybody that walked through the doors would feel like they were coming home. And so when you come here, that's my heart's desire is that when you come in, if you came to my house, I would give you a glass of sweet tea. If you ask for unsweetened, I would forgive you. And then we would sit down, you put your feet up and we would just have a good time together. So that's what we're going to do in here today is we're just going to have a good time together. I'm so thankful that out of all of the places that you could be this morning, we feel very honored that you chose to come here and spend your Sunday morning with us. So thank you for being here with us today. Um, Today, I want to share a message with you that has been stirring inside of me for uh, quite some time, but it's not so much a message as it is I'm going to share with you things that I've been learning 
on my own journey. So I'm going to basically be sharing some stuff with you that I've written in my own journal. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, okay, so I was born in Texas. Nobody else from Texas in here? Thank you, sister. Okay. (laughs) I was born in Texas, and if you are born anywhere in the South, you are born with bloodlines that naturally produce a deep genetic appreciation for football. And I'm not, I'm not making this exclusive to the South. This can be anywhere, anywhere, right? Um, but being from Texas, I remember, I remember as a kid growing up, my grandmother, oh my gosh, she was about five, seven, and she weighed, I don't even think she, she was little bitty, little bitty tiny lady. And that woman loved loved the Dallas Cowboys. This was back in the Tom Landry days. And if anything was going on on Sunday, we had to be done, have the dishes cleaned, have the table cleared and be in the living room so that she could have her little glass of sweet tea with the napkin wrapped around the bottom to collect the condensation sitting in her little holder so that she could be in front of the television when the Dallas Cowboys were playing. Thanksgiving dinner was all organized around what time the Cowboys were playing. And it used to be that that's always when they were playing the Redskins. So, you know, every year it was Thanksgiving. Well, what time do the Cowboys play? Because we got to have Mimi in front of the television when the Cowboys come on. And she loved Emmett. Emmett Smith was her absolute favorite player. She absolutely loved him. And she cheered for him as if she had birthed him herself. I feel like she thought that Emmett was her long lost son and that she was connected and that he could hear everything because she would beat her little fist like this when they wouldn't get the ball to him. Give it to Emmett. He can run. You know what I mean? And she would talk to that television and she was, so I learned it from a very young age, my Mimi and football. That's the way it went. So Uh, A few years ago, I don't know exactly when, but there was a movie that turned into a TV series and it was called Friday Night Lights. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, we're in church. You can, you can, you can say, yeah, amen, amen, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights was a movie and they turned it into a TV series and the whole thing was about the Dillon Panthers football team and their coach. And it was, it's, if you're looking for, you know, the pastor's talking about it, it must be a spiritually edifying show. Not really. So don't, don't go and watch it with your small children because pastor talked about it. I'm letting you know right now, some of it's not appropriate for small children. So anyway, <laughs> coach Taylor was the coach of the Dillon Panthers. And this whole TV series was focused around this. Well, we watched the whole series on, uh, what, what is, whatever it is that you watch Hulu or Netflix, something like that. So we watched the whole series on that. And then because we are such believers of football, we watched the whole thing again. <laughs> we all have Dylan Panthers sweatshirts and t-shirts. <laughs> so I was going to wear mine for you today, but anyway, so during, 
It's for real. It's a, it's, it's for real. Texas forever. Who knows what I'm talking about? Right? Okay. Thank you. So anyway, Coach Taylor gave some of the most epic locker room speeches that you've ever heard. They were so inspiring. And he was such a coach. I mean, he had the football coach stance down. He wore, you know, the polyester shorts that football coaches wear. Do you guys remember those? Yeah. He was, I mean, his mannerisms, everything were spot on for a football coach. But one of the things that was a motto of the Dillon Panthers, and it was actually in the locker room of the high school was clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Say that with me. Clear eyes, Full hearts can't lose. Dylan Panther football right there. Now y'all are officially Dylan Panther fans. All right. All right. We're going somewhere. So I want to read to you Matthew chapter six in verse 22. And I'm going to read this out of the new key James translation. It says this, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The Passion Translation says it like this. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. Say it with me. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose can't lose. Some of us have and understand very deeply the fear of losing. There is a fear that can be produced on the inside of us of losing. And when I say losing, it could be lost in several different ways. It can be fear of losing that clouds our eyes It drains our hearts, and in times of trial and uncertainty, we're filled with this fear. A fear of losing relationships. It could be a fear of losing friends. It could be a fear of losing loved ones. It could be a fear of losing a job, a fear of losing provision, a fear of losing your security. It could be a fear of losing control, a fear of losing your health, a fear of losing your faith. When these times of uncertainty happen. So I have a confession to make to you is that up until recently I have in almost 30 years of ministry I have never read the book of Job from start to finish. (gasps) The gasp in the room. I've read, I've read at it and I've read different portions of it, but I've never read the whole book of Job from start to finish. Why? Because I have a fear of losing And the book of Job, for those of you that don't know, and if you haven't read Job, Job is a person that we read about, and there is a historical account of his life in the Old Testament. It's right before Psalms. 
And that portion of my Bible, the pages were still like stuck together with the gold gilded stuff around the edges because I don't want to read about Job. Job starts out in Job chapter one, and it says Job was blameless and upright that he was the greatest of all men in the East. And it goes through and it lists all of his wealth. And he had sons and daughters and he had great possessions. And it says, the scripture tells us in Job chapter one, verse one, first thing right off the bat, that Job was a righteous man and upright and that God saw him that way. And then through a series of events, Job loses everything except for a nagging wife and three bad friends that you read on about later on. And so I knew this about Job. I knew that Job's children died. All of his livestock die. His servants die. He loses everything. So as a normal person would last year during the global pandemic and lockdown, I decided, oh, read Job. (laughs) Seemed appropriate to me. So I sat down and I started to read Job. But the series of tragedies that Job went through and losing everything, I knew this about him But my fear was, what if I can't find in Job what I have believed about God all my life? What if I read Job and I cannot find the goodness of God in his story? What if I read Job and I can't prove Not because I want to, but because it's what the word says. That God wastes nothing. What if I can't reconcile my theological foundation that God is good and he is love in reading Job. A man who was righteous and upright before God, but lost everything. What if I can't balance those two out? What if I can't, what if I can't find, the, find the doctrinal path in that? So I just won't read it. I'll pretend like it's not there. <laughs> that is, we'll just not think about that today. We'll think about it tomorrow. That's, that's, that's kind of my theory for a lot of stuff. And it's worked well for me. So <laughs> why change it? Well, when the pandemic happened, I had time. And when I, when I sit down to read something, I don't like read it. Like it could take me three or four months to read something because I sit with it. And I don't want to read what I believe. I want to believe what I read. I don't sit down and spend time with God to prove what my thinking is. I sit down and spend time with God so that he can show me who he is. And there's adjusting that needs to take place often when you spend time with God that way. So what if I couldn't find the goodness of God in Job's story? And if I was not able to find the goodness of God in Job's story, would I not be able to find his goodness in my story? 
And that was a heavy fear. So I sat down with Job. And what I found was that Job is one of the most heroic, most beautifully written, most passionate, and most wonderful stories in the Bible. And there's so much to take away from the chapters of Job. But I want to focus in on one very, very small part today. But I believe that if you get this one part, if you go for yourself and study and read the book of Job, if you read the book of Job within the context of what I'm going to give to you today, the whole book of Job will then become a hope to you as well. So the book of Job. (sighs) Say it with me. Clear eyes. Full heart. Can't lose. So what I want to look at is the testimony of Job. And Job's, Job's story, his testimony is a testimony of clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. And what we see is that the clear eyes is when we see God for who he really is, when we understand and experience God for who he is, our heart is then filled with the trueness of our identity of who we are in Christ. And when we see God for who he is and our heart is full of who we are in him, we can't lose. We can't help but win every time. We can't lose ever, ever. So in Job chapter one, what I want to focus in on is identity. And this is a really cool thing. If you would, if you have your Bibles with you, if you want to turn there on your phone apps, Job is right before the book of Psalms. Um, if, it's, if you are turning in your Bible, it's where your pages are still stuck together because nobody wants to read that. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't want to read about somebody who lost everything, right? I want to read about, I want to read about, you know, that God is good and that, that he provides all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that I am a child of God. That's what I want to read about. While I'm drinking my coffee, okay? (laughs) Job chapter 1 in verse 6, God is having a conversation and you read in Job, if you start in Job chapter 1 verse 1 up to this point, it describes Job and everything that Job has. And it explains to us in, in detail that Job was a very powerful, upright, and righteous man who was a father who loved his children very, very much. So Job chapter six and verse seven, it says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Now this is interesting because when you read that the sons of God came to present themselves. If you look that up in the Hebrew, what you learn is that when it says the sons of God, it means the angelic hosts, the angelic beings came to present themselves before God. So as the angelic beings came to present themselves before God, Satan came before with them and God looks at him and the scripture says, he said, from where do you come? Now that was a question, but the scripture says that God said, so I looked that up. What he's saying is God said, God commanded and challenged Satan. And he said, from where do you come? 
But I have also learned that when God asks a question, he's not asking it because he doesn't know the answer. He's asking a question because he's drawing our attention or whoever he is asking the question to. He's wanting to point something out to them. So God challenges and demands of Satan, from where do you come? That phrase right there, from where do you come? In the Hebrew, if you look that up, it is rooted in, he says, where is it? Right here, it says, from where do you come? That word from do you come in the Hebrew is from a low place and to have fallen. So he's pointing out to Satan, you used to be up here and now you're down here. I want you to see God's kind of being a savage. He's like got all the angelic hosts in front of him and he's saying to Satan, from where do you come? So he's pointing out to him, you used to be up here and now you're down here. From where? That in the Hebrew means to have nothing to be nothing, to not exist fatherless. So in front of all the angelic hosts, here Satan is trying to sneak in. He's trying to present himself before God with all of God's, as they're called in the scripture, his sons. And God looks at Satan among all of them and he says, you are one who used to be one of them, but by your choice, you are no longer here with them. You're down here, and in front of me, you don't even exist. I am not your father. You are fatherless, and you are an orphan. In front of all the angelic beings, he says this. But see, Satan came to try and present himself before God as one of his. And if he will do that to God, don't you know he does that to us? If he will try to present himself as one of the angelic hosts before God, to come before God, to have the intestinal fortitude, to come and put himself before God like that. And God's like, uh-uh, I'm not having that. Let me remind you who you are. Actually, let me remind you of who You are not. You are not one of mine. You are fatherless. Woo. Can you say clear eyes, full heart? Mm -hmm. But he tried. That means that if he'll try it before God, he'll try it before us. So he goes on in verse seven, God continues. And he says, so Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. That's kind of odd, right? So like he's pointing out to Satan, dude, you don't even belong here. You're not one of mine. You are fatherless. And then he's like, have you considered my servant Job? Let me just point him out to you. (laughs) That's the way I always looked at that. But there's another deeper understanding. So he speaks and he says, have you considered? That word considered actually means to set or to put in place. 
And he's saying to him, you fatherless orphan, have you even put Job in his place? Are you the one that blessed him? Are you the one who set him? This righteous upright one, are you the one that had the power to do that? No, because I just told you who you're not. So he's pointing out to him, "Mm -mm." and when he says to him, have you considered my servant Job? That word servant actually in the Hebrew means worshiper. He's saying, have you set him? No, you have not because he's a worshiper of mine. And actually that word, what it means is it means that one who has been chosen because of their piety and their uprightness by the master, that they have been marked by God to execute his plans and his will. So what God just did in that little bitty exchange with Satan is he said, everything that you used to be and that you're not Job is. He's pointing out to Satan everything that you had and that you gave up. He's got it. And he's mine. This is what God did with Job. Job is everything that Satan lost. And Satan's goal is to darken Job's vision of God and to drain Job's heart of his identity. Satan's an orphan. Have you ever heard the expression that misery loves company? So everything that Satan does is to try to give his identity to Job and have Job let go of the identity that God gave him. If he did it to Job, He'll do it to me. If he did it to Job, he'll do it to you. Chapter 38 through 41. Well, let me, let me back up. So from about chapter two, all the way through, there's three friends that Job has that come to, well, they're called friends that come to visit Job and they're full of bad counsel and bad advice. Uh, And then there's a a fourth friend that is there and he's younger than all of the other ones. And after the three spout off their empty knowledge and lack thereof, the fourth friend speaks up and begins to speak godly wisdom to Job. While Job is sitting with nothing and boils on his skin, he's just in a bad way. This fourth friend, Elihu, begins to speak to him. And as Elihu begins to speak to him, Job is listening to Elihu. And then when Elihu is done speaking to him, Job speaks. And then after Job speaks, we read that God speaks to Job in a whirlwind. And when God begins to speak to Job in this whirlwind, God begins to declare to him how he, he, he says to Job, he says, were you there? When I laid the foundation of the earth, were you there when I caused the waters to stand in their place? Were you there when I released the rain from the heaven? God's, God's words to Job are so poetic and they're beautiful. If you want to read those verses 30 or chapters 38 through 41 is where God speaks to Job and he declares his identity and his power to Job. It was In this section of scripture, that as I sat in my chair and reading, I had to just stop. 
as God is speaking of creation and the foundations of the world, he begins speaking to him of nature and of rain and of snow and of water. He begins to speak of him to him of the seas and of the land. He begins to speak to him of the animals and how he created them and how each one has its specific function and how God created them to have that function. And Job, were you there? And he says to him, tell me if you were, tell me if you understand. And Job is not able to. And it was through these chapters that I stopped and I just cried. I sat in my chair and I wept because my eyes were unclouded and clear to see how powerful God is. How big he is. How eternal he is, how all knowing he is, that there's not anything that goes by unnoticed by God. There is nothing that God hasn't created and paid attention to, that God hasn't specifically planned and ordained and marked out for his purpose. And as I read God's words to Job, Even through all that Job had suffered, God is declaring to him his greatness and his power. And he's reaffirming to Job, I am God. And Job listens to him. And it was in that place that my heart was overwhelmed with how good God is. And I repented. I wrote in my Bible, I repent for doubting that you are God. I repent for questioning that you are God. See, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 in the Passion Translation says this, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his Holy one. See Job's story is our story. Clear eyes. Say it with me. Clear eyes. Will we lose sight of God? In the midst of trial. When we go through things that we don't understand. That seemingly there's no reason for. Will we allow our vision of God to become clouded? Because see one of the things that I have learned in my journey with God. And you may have learned the same thing. Is that there are simply going to be things that happen. And that things that we walk through. Things that we see that we don't understand. And when you are walking with God. You are just going to have to come to the place of understanding. And trusting that you are not going to know what is around every corner. But you always know that whatever it is, you win. You may not know what's around the corner, but you know that you're going to go around the corner and you're going to make it through. 
I don't understand everything that happens. And I tell people like if they have questions or something, I might not know the answer. And let me tell you something. That's usually the thing that holds people back the most from talking to other people about God. What if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? You know what? It's very easy. You just tell them, I don't know. And I have found that people have more respect for someone who will say, dude, I don't know. That's a good one. But you know what? I got lots of books and I know lots of people who got lots of smarts and I'll find out for you. We don't know. But would it be faith if we did? Faith pleases God. Trusting him. You don't have to have faith and trust for what you already have. And there are journeys and there are places in my life right now that I have come to realize are such a gift because it allows me the opportunity to have faith and to trust God for something that I've never seen him do before. And that is a blessing. If we don't have the opportunity to have faith in him for something, what are we doing? If you haven't expanded your eyes to the place to where you are believing God for something that you've never seen before, you're not looking far enough. Clear eyes. Clear eyes. See, Job's story is our story because will we distort God And rather than us being conformed into his image, will we try to conform God into our image to make our circumstances and the mystery that we walk through comfortable? Will we diminish God to our level so that we can explain away and justify what we're going through or the choices that we're making? Or will we see him as God? One that does not change. One that knows the end from the beginning. And will we trust him with our story? Will we trust him with who he's made us to be? Clear eyes. Clear eyes. Full heart. Romans 8, 28 says this in the New King James translation. It says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he predestined, and to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, And whom he justified, these he also glorified. This is our full heart. The clear eyes is when we see God for who he is, that he is God. The full heart is when we begin to, with the eyes that see God for who he is, allow our heart to be filled with the understanding and experience of who we are as children of such an awesome God that we are called. I want you to say this. I am called. He foreknew me. He predestined me. I am justified. And because I am justified, I am glorified. 
God, before you ever took your first breath, God created you and formed you to be just like he explains to Job, the animals. He talks to Job about the horse, and that, of course, is my favorite part. He talks to him about the crocodile, which is not one of my favorites, but hey, God made the crocodile too, and I'm sure the crocodile thinks he's pretty cool, but... If he talks to Job about the horse and the crocodile and the eagle, who are we to think that he does not talk about us? And when he talks about us, he talks about us as those who are called. It says that we are the called, that he works all things to the good. You hear people quote that scripture all the time. Oh, God works all things to the good. Um, he works all things to the good for those who love him. For those who love him and for those who are the called. Well, who are the called? Everyone who is created by him are the called. There's not one person with breath in their lungs that is not the called of God. Everyone has been called. Everyone has been chosen. Everyone has the opportunity to be justified and everyone has the opportunity to be glorified. It's our choice. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. It's where we step into that place of knowing that because my God is God, this is who I am. I am called. I am his chosen you are his chosen. You are marked by God for his purpose. God makes no mistakes. Can't lose. Like Job, when we're willing to trust God, nothing is wasted. God wastes nothing. So whatever the trial, whatever the situation, whatever the hardship, whatever the mystery, whatever it is that you're going through, none of it is wasted when we see God for who he is and we continue to walk at his child, nothing is wasted. The mysteries that we walk through, the hard times that we walk through, do we go through hard times? Yeah. If somebody told you that just give your life to God and everything is going to be great, they lied to you. But here's the thing, is give your life to God. You're going to go through some hard times. You're going to go through hard times whether you give God your life or not. But when you go through hard times with God in your life, you know that none of that hard thing that you're going through is for nothing. See, we go through different things in life, but the things that we go through are, <clears throat> it's a journey. It's an opportunity to develop something on the inside of you that had you not pressed, you would not develop. It is a shame that we do not develop muscles by just sitting around. Maybe somebody, I don't know why, when, he, when we talk to God about creation and how he made everything, maybe somebody could talk to him about that. He might have the same uh, comment for you that he did to Job. Were you there? <laughs> no. <laughs> but 
what I think about is we develop strength through resistance. It's the same with our journey through life. We develop strength through resistance. And when we are walking with God, with clear eyes and seeing who he is and our hearts are full of who we are, we can't lose. No matter what the trial is that we're going through, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the resistance is, we can't lose. In the end, Job speaks to God. In Job chapter 42, starting in verse 2, it says this. This is Job speaking. I'm going to take a small portion of what he says. He says, I know that you, God, can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Isn't that good? Job, all that he's gone through, he's speaking to God, sitting before God as God has spoken to him in a whirlwind with boils on his body, his children having died, having lost everything. Job speaks this to God. No purpose of yours can be withheld from you. God, you asked me, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. This is Job speaking. I spoke what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you will answer me. Verse five, I have heard of you by the hearing of ear, but now my eye sees you. Everything that Job went through, everything that he experienced brought him to a place of an encounter with God, the one that he had heard of, but everything that he went through brought him to a place with a personal encounter with God. And Job then says, I now see you. And in the end of Job, everything is restored to him. God not only restores everything to him, but multiplies to him exceedingly abundantly what he had before and makes him greater than he ever was before his encounter with God. Job learns who he is, not just as a man with great possessions, but as a man who is greatly loved by God. So identity doesn't just happen because you're born. I'm just going to read you what I wrote. True identity is a cumulative journey that's only discovered by traveling through desolate valleys, refusing to become part of the dust that settles there. It's also breathing in the view of mountaintop moments of triumph while clinging tightly to the hand of Jesus as though your life depended on it because it does. This is Job's story. This is your story. And this is my story. It is the story of every Christ follower. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Clear eyes. When we see God for who he really is, God full hearts when we see who we are and we discover who we are as his children we can't help but win can't lose can't lose just as we read in the beginning of Matthew 6 22 the lamp of the body is the eye if therefore the eye 
is good, your whole body will be full of light. If the eye sees God for who he really is, your whole body can't help but be full of light. It's kind of a surreal thing. The place that we find ourselves in looking back a year that the pandemic started. And I don't like to focus on that, but it's something that we've all been impacted by deeply. Clear eyes. Through times that we don't understand and uncertainty, especially things that are out of our control. How many of you like to, I like to be in control. I like to have a controlled setting, controlled environment. Chaos puts me, outward chaos tries to cause inward chaos for me. Clear eyes. When we can keep our vision of who God is through the chaos, we won't lose who we are. So I just want to get really real for a minute. If you could just put on just a little bit of music for us. I'm going to ask everybody just to close your eyes for just a moment and just allow yourself to settle in here. You're safe. This is a controlled environment. It's nice. It's comfortable. And we're just going to get right in it. If Satan has come to present himself before you over the past year or maybe even more, to tell you that there's no hope. And the word depression has come up in your mind. Maybe I have depression. I struggle with depression. Anxiety, my breathing, I can't control my breathing at times. I feel overwhelmed and then I feel like I can't breathe. If that is you, First of all, I want to declare to you that Satan is trying to present himself before you the same way he did to God. Secondly, what you are feeling is very real. It's not made up and it's not just all in your mind. There is truly an enemy that stands before you that would like to crush you. And if that has been a battle that you've been fighting want you to know that you are not fighting alone. You're not crazy. You're just in a fight. Clear eyes. Full heart. Can't lose. If that is you and you feel extra spicy this morning, And as a sign of saying, you are an orphan, Satan, and I will not give up my identity to become like you. If you're feeling spicy today, I want you to stick your hand up in the air and I want you to stick it up high. Yeah. We're spicy, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Now, if you would, I invite you to put your hand on your heart. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, you will not be overcome. 
I invite you to say that out loud with your own voice, to whisper it, but you need to hear yourself say it. I will not be overcome. If you need to stand and shout it right now, baby, you go ahead. I will not be overcome. I can't help but win because I am a child of God. I belong to him. I'm marked for a purpose. And I am not selling my identity for a bowl of beans. Depression must go. Depression is nothing in the face of my God. In Jesus' name. There is a place of hopelessness that kind of tallies along with that, where the dreams and the hopes that someone has for the future can just really get overwhelmed and feel trampled down on because of circumstances, because of the change, because of what we're hearing on the news, because of who we think is in office or is not in office, because of the economy, because of the job situation, because of health, because of whatever that would cause you to see through dimmed glasses your future. And this morning, we need a fresh infilling of hope and expectation. And again, I invite you, if you're feeling extra spicy today, that if you just say, I just need a fresh vision of hope, of God's vision, of God's eyes for my future, what God has planned for me, what I have been put here on this earth to accomplish. If you just need a, maybe just an eye checkup this morning, maybe we just need to have our eyes washed out with some holy water. If that's you and you're feeling spicy, I want you just to put your hands on your eyes right now. I invite you to do that. Right now, all of the things that run through your mind, all of the thoughts, the mind racing, the what ifs, the what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if God is God? Shh. Speak quiet and stillness to your mind in Jesus' name that you have been given the mind of Christ. And right now I speak that mind, the mind of Christ over your mind, a mind that is steady and that is stayed and is confident with expectation of the promises of your great God. That your mind meditates on the word of God day and night. And as you meditate on his word day and night, you will have good success and your way will be prosperous. In Jesus' name, and any thought that comes up to argue with that truth right now in the name of Jesus, we say the same thing to that that God said to Satan. Where do you come from? You don't belong here. 
And right now, with your hands on your eyes, allow God to refresh your vision or give you a new vision for your future. It is a future filled with hope. It is a future filled with love. It is a future filled with good things because every good and perfect gift comes from God. So whatever isn't good yet, I want you to specifically see that thing right now in Jesus name. And we declare the goodness of God over that situation, over that circumstance, because God is moving all of the parts. I feel him saying right now, just be patient because there's lots of parts that I've got to put in place to build this bridge for you. And you're not ready ready to cross that bridge just yet, but I'm putting things in place, not only around you, but in you so that when you come to that bridge and you cross over to the other side, you will have the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge to not only take what I've given you there, but to take it and to multiply it and to use it to bring glory and expansion of my kingdom in the new territory in which I'm taking you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Right now, if you have never made the personal decision, like not just, hey, okay, you know, but consciously, knowingly making the decision to say, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to follow Jesus. I want to see God for who he is. And I want to have my heart filled with who I am as called his child. If you've never made that decision for yourself, If you've never done that before this morning, we want to invite you to make that decision. We want to make opportunity for you and space for you to make that decision with God today. And a lot of times churches will say, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. And you know what? I love that. But what I love is that we're a safe place here. And what you're about to do is the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life. And you are surrounded by a whole house of people that would love to celebrate you and maybe not even like talk to you or stand with you, but would just from where you are across the room say, I see you and I love you. And I'm here to support you as your family. So if you've never made that conscious decision, knowing that you know that I am a child of God and you want to make that decision today, I'm inviting you to be spicy and stick your hand up in the air right now. Is there anybody? There's one back there. There's another there. Yes. Anybody else? Yeah. And another there. Yes. Can we stand for them? Stand for them. Yes. Yes. you would very politely 
and very supportingly say, hey, when service is dismissed, I'll walk up front with you or just sit here, just with where you're at. Say, I'll just sit here with you if you want to. But our prayer team is going to be here up, up here when service is dismissed. And I would love for you, if you raise your hand today, I want to invite you to come up to just tell somebody today, I made the decision to be a child of God because when you do that, when you speak it out loud with your mouth in a place that's totally safe, you won't be afraid to speak it somewhere else. That's our that's our stand. And we want to stand with you. And most of all, we just want to celebrate you. So um, if you're sitting around somebody that raised their hand today, please take the opportunity to love on them. And I'm going to invite Bailey to come on up here and get us closed out. Pay attention because Bailey's got good stuff. Man.